This podcast is brought to you by Media8. Welcome to the My Business Podcast, where we sit down with local businesses and we talk about who they are, where they come from, and what inspires them to be in business. Well, welcome back everyone to the My Business Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure in introducing you to Joanne Brooks, who's an entrepreneur, a wife, a mother, and an authentic businesswoman. <laughs> Joanne, this is the first of a three-part series, and welcome to the Podfire Studios. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, I love doing this type of interaction. It's lovely to actually sit without a screen between us, right? Isn't it crazy? How we, good is that? We got used to it, didn't we, over no. a period of time, and now... No. A lot of people still want to go that way, but no, nothing like, like face this. to face. It's great. So today is the first part of a three-part series with you. Now today is all about your story, how Joanne Brooks got to be where she is today. Sure. Um, so let's just let's go back to the start. How did it all start for Joanne? Well, I was a very different person, um, and and I'm going to go back a long way to when I was 18. So this is 40 odd years ago. Yeah. I uh, graduated out of the local high school here on the Gold Coast. Always wanted to go to university and in those days because that was in 1980 there was one road that went to Brisbane and there was no (laughs) universities Um, and my dad didn't give me the option to go to university it was a no uh, for various reasons Um, and in those days well I did what dad asked Um, and I was a very quiet and very shy young woman and so he said to me you need to go and sit the bank exams and so that's what we did you know they were always on on a Saturday so all the major banks plus one of the others yep. on the Gold Coast, I sat the bank exam and went, great, I'll just sit and wait now. And he went, no, now you'll ring every branch manager until you get a job and you've got two weeks to do it. Wow. And so context me, um, I spent most of my childhood playing in a cupboard. Very quiet, very yep. shy, wouldn't act proactively go and talk to somebody at all. But I did that. I picked up the phone, absolutely mortifying. That's the ultimate sell job. What am I selling? Exactly, and especially at I'm that I'm just age. ready and waiting. Yeah. I have no skills. Yeah. Well, none that None, <laughs> none that, that I thought yeah. I had. Had plenty, but... Yeah, indeed. Um, and I did get a job in two weeks, and the branch manager said something to me that it's, it's literally only something I reflected on within the last 18 months. So it's taken me a long time to think this one through. And he said to me, you didn't get the best results, but you, you rang the, court, the phone consistently... And you turned up, so I gave you a job. And I went, wow. And so I was sharing this story with somebody yesterday on, on a conversation to say, in the last 18 months, there's been a lot of change and shift in my life and my business. And I was refl- I was doing the deep reflecting, getting the notepad out, what worked for me, what hasn't. And I actually went all the way back to that time. And I realised that that created a pattern of behaviour for me. So I lasted, I was in the bank for 17 years uh, I started off as simple clerk through to writing commercial finance in, in Brisbane City. Yep. And I was one of the very few females in that space, writing commercial transactions and how to fund paint on the walls. Yep. That's asset finance. Yep. A- and I can remember being the only female in a in a whole room of men. Um, and you would think that'd be pretty intimidating. But by that point, I'd built a lot of confidence. So I ended up teaching people bankers how to write the finance how to do it so in the 90s that would have been it would have been groundbreaking because i was yeah. actually in the banking system in the yes, 90s as well that. so um i know that it would have been something very different for the men to to um, have to encounter if confronted, you to confronted with confronted, almost yeah. yeah um so how did they how did you get through that how did you win their confidence well you know i shared with you just previously i can remember many times people men using this precise term 
what do you know, girly? I'd be standing up in front of them teaching, you know, and, go, and luckily I could go a wad of paper in my hand and go, these are the transactions that I've processed and got approved. If you can do that, you don't need to be here. If you can't do that, you need to sit, stay, listen, and, sh- and I will share with you how to do these transactions. And there would be a few that would leave. Yep. Go forth and prosper. See you later, yeah. <laughs> um, but by that point, I'd had numerous years in the bank, in finance industry, and I'd built the confidence to know that what I, the craft that I'd created, I, had, I knew what to do. And what I realised in this reflection piece just 18 months, as I said, over the last 18 months, what I realised that incident with my dad, what that created for me was I was the first to put my hand up for every promotion. If I wanted a pay rise, I'd write a business case and I would present it to the boss and I would give him an argument as to this is what I've done, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I want, I'm prepared to negotiate it at this level. What do you think? And... About 99% of the time I achieved success in that. Now, did I always get the pay rise I wanted? No, but it could be, well, let's do it at this level, Joanne. In six months' time, we'll revisit it. I was cool with that. Yep. With any negotiation, you go in high with an expectation you're going yeah. <laughs> to negotiate down and meet in the middle somewhere. Yep. And I realised, as I said in the last 18 months, that that's a pattern that I'd unconsciously developed. And you know, when I started my own business, there was lots of knockbacks and problems and challenges and highs and lows. But I fundamentally believe that that lesson back at 18 is something that created a core value in me. If I needed or wanted something, the only person who can get that is me. Is you. So you also had a lot of, I guess, the word I'm looking for is um, speed bumps over the way. Yeah, indeed. During your early life. Mm. Um, did you want to expand on those kind of things? Yeah, because yeah. I think it shows how resilient resilient you are to mm, be the person you. I'm sitting with today. Yeah, it has certainly shaped me. That is no doubt about it. As I s- shared with you, um, a, a book that I'm, re- I'm writing about myself, my story, is called The Girl in the Cupboard, yep. deliberately so. Um, at about at age 38, I'd been married for a while, 17 years, had a four-year-old daughter, and I got a knock on the door where I worked at the time in a finance broker's, and there was two policemen, and they said, are you the wife of Brad Ashton? And I went, yep. And they said, I'm really sorry to tell you he's been killed in a car accident. Which was traumatic enough, but the next question was, but where's your daughter? And that that's terrifying, utterly terrifying. Thank goodness she was at daycare. But what, why they asked was, terribly, he'd driven his car straight into a semi-trailer and had burst into flames yep. up in Brisbane. Now, that in itself will shift and change somebody but the next day I get a phone call from a doctor that I have no idea who he is and he says to me, I need to speak to Brad. I said, well, bad timing. You should have rung 48 hours ago because he's not here anymore. You need to come and see me immediately. I went, no, this is not the place for yeah. me to do that. Speak to my doctor and if he needs to share something with me, he can. He came and saw me that afternoon and he said, um, Brad had been di- diagnosed with HIV positive. Wow. Um, and we need to test you immediately. Yeah you and your daughter. So, you know, trauma upon trauma and layer of trauma. And that Monday at 7am, I am literally sitting on my daughter as a five-and-a-half-year-old, five-year-old, to get blood out of her arm. And to this day, she's now 26. She has an absolute fear of needles. (laughs) I get that. It's terrible. (laughs) I understand that one. Yeah, it was really unbelievably traumatic. 
And thankfully we were all negative, so yep. there was no dramas there. But I remember um, after the funeral, my brother-in-law came up to me and he said, um, you look really relieved, Joanne, actually. And I went, yeah, I am. Because what I hadn't shared and kept a secret for a long time was a very abusive relationship. And he said, adding trauma, he said, you can't actually tell anybody about what his diagnosis was. You cannot tell anybody ever. And the quiet Joanne that I was yep. capitulated and said, yeah, okay. And so that's a regret of my for, forever now. My dad has now passed and he never knew this. My yep. mum does now. And clearly I'm talking about it now. Yeah, of course. Um, but it was to protect other family members and it was to actually to protect his business reputation. Yep. He felt in his mind it was going to cause a problem for him. But Which, these, these things coming one after the other. Oh, within a week. You know, that, that, within would, a week. that would make the most, you know, some of the strongest people yeah. wilt under that pressure. Mm. And here you are, a, a quiet girl in a cupboard. Yes. And you're dealing with all these things while still in that protective mode of your daughter as well. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, I remember I only took two weeks off uh, after this event because I just needed to get busy. Yep. I needed to get busy and I needed to focus on um, Nicole. <laughs> I always remember, bless his heart, the man who owned the business that I worked for and he's still a good friend and mentor to me. Um, it was a finance broker's business and we were in an open office and I got back to the office and he had put me in the furthest office away with a door on it and said, Joanne, that's where you can hang out and if you need to close the door, you can. Yep. Bless his heart, but that's the worst thing he could have done. And, yeah, I eventually got back into the office. But it's interesting. Bec the, the perception of what you need when you're in a grieving situation, people just don't know how to react at all. And it was, um, it was interesting. It w that was a tough time. But um, uh, a year later, um, I've moved house. I'm building a new home. Determined not to come back to the Gold Coast, yep. which is where we are today. Because <laughs> all my family wanted me to move back and I was living yep. in Brisbane then. And I was um, renting a place and my daughter was outside playing with the dog. And um, there's a fella next door building a trench. She's a landscaper and she fell in it and she picks he picks her up and dusts her off. She's fine. She comes in. I said, so it's be careful. You don't know this man. She said, no, that's Paul. I have been married to him for 17 years. Oh, get out. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I did not know that bit, so that's a surprise <laughs> to me. So what a, a twist in f of fate, isn't I it? I know. He's, and, and I struggled with this such a quick, you know, tw literally 12 months later. But uh, he has been my absolute saviour and he's been a wonderful dad yep. to Nicole. So we are very happily married. Yeah, and so it just shows day. that, I mean, you go through what you go yep. through. And people say it all the time, you know, it happens for a reason. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I genuinely believe that. My husband was very um, – he was not a happy man. He was not emotionally stable. Yep. And I think this was uh, – as horrendous as his end was, he's in a better place. I know that. Yep. And um, we've had – my husband and Paul and I have had a wonderful life together and we've been through some challenges with businesses as well. Yep. And, um, you know, it took me probably about 12 to 18 months to – counselling and helping and settling and getting married and buying new houses and all that stuff. Um, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to start a business. Okay, so I'm, I love numbers. I was doing the math. So you're in yes. your mid-30s. I am. You've finished a career in the bank. You've gone through some real personal trauma, mm -hmm. um, not once, not twice, but three times in such a period of time. 
how does the girl in the cupboard then become the person we are now mm. that runs multiple businesses? Yep. I've seen the websites. I know <laughs> what your passion is and I love it. Thank you. How does that happen? Well, you know what? Um, the day that I was confronted by my brother-in-law at 38, it was like the proverbial slap across the back of the head. And it was, all right, I've got to, sh- I've got to change. What I've experienced in the past has not worked for me, so why would I keep doing that, right? Yep. And the first, the, first, the first action I took to stand my ground was to stay in Brisbane and not move to the Gold Coast because Nicole was about to start school, all that sort of thing. So I went, no, I'm going to build my own home how I want it and I'm going to put her into school and I'm not moving. Yep. And so it was literally this absolute jolt that said, you need to look after you. Hey, there's a lesson that I seem to remember and look after Nicole. So when I decide to start my business, I often speak about this today in that I genuinely believe I started my business for the ultimately the wrong reason. It is a great reason to, to start a business for a better life for your family, for your children, etc. But the main reason I was spouting about was lots of time, lots of money, lots of flexibility. Yep. A lot of load of garbage, that is. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> quite work that, wa- no, work out that way. No, I became busier and busier. And I wanted to stop... She, I would drop her off at daycare at six in the morning from a very young age, from 12 months old, and I would not pick her up until six. She had a longer day, business day, than I did. Yep. And it's exhausting for a child, let alone then you've got to get them home, you've got to get them up early, all that, all those things, right? So I thought, well, this will give her a better experience of life and I'll be able to go do, watch the things that she does, all those sort of things. And that did enable me to do that. But I, you know, I'm the first to admit that I entered business ownership and I was, I've been speaking to business owners for years, doing commercial lending, yeah. business plans, what are you, how are you going to do this? What's your cash flow look like? I did absolutely none of that. First to admit it, happy to admit it. Isn't it funny how we, we tend to overlook the things that we try and instill in others? I know. Um, and I've, I've seen that in past incarnations so of my bizarre. working life as well. It's, it is strange that we do it's that. But and, and I'm not going to say it's naive. I'm going to say it was ego got in my yeah, way. Overconfidence. Yeah, overconfidence. Overconfidence. Like I, I genuinely, I often say to people, leave the ego at the door. Just bring that confidence forward. But know that there's a fine line between the two, right? So for me, thank goodness, I mentioned this mentor that I've had for years and he, you know, I was working for him, put me in the back office. He actually gave me a slap across the back of the head and said, Joanne, what are you doing? Yep. And thank goodness he did. Um, because he then it was another jolt. Went, man, you're right. I'm not doing this right. I need to have a plan, have a strategy, all that. And I had lots of great opportunities come my way, which I was able to take advantage of. So you know, the first business was a simple little business teaching people how to write commercial finance and so on. I've I got asked to write some qualifications in the finance sector. Did that. That organisation came to me and said, so we've been so successful in these programs you've written. Um, do you know somebody who'd like to be one of our first franchisees? I went, well, I don't know somebody, but it will, I will do it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I took over the Queensland division for, as the first franchisee of this company and helped him to grow it to a substantial business over about eight years, brought on more franchisees, helped him with all the systems. Because it was something I was deeply passionate about. It was in the finance sector. I was teaching yeah. people and they were getting formal qualifications. So successful, I introduced him to a large um, public company who was in recruitment and they bought him out. And so 18 months later, that company goes, oh, man, that really wasn't a good decision. We're just going to close them all. So the contracts we had were such that we had no ability to fight it. So um, 
the franchisees, eight of us, we all lost our businesses. So about a $2 million business. So I went, all right, well, um, that's interesting. I'll just start again. So that business, that franchise had a number in it. So my business had a number plus one, which was F you, I'm just yep. going to do it better. Yep. You know, with that, that approach. Went and bought an RTO, went and started again. 18 months later, th- oh, about two, three years later, um, I got a letter in the mail from a multinational company. I'd done the right thing and registered my company name on the trademark register and it was going through the process. And this company, I got a letter from saying, you have the same name and we are either going to shut you down or you have to change your business name. It was ex- My yep. business was the exact same name as them. And nobody, nobody knew no this. Is- nobody had heard of it. It was an internal company they used for training administration staff. Same, ed- still both doing education, same business name. And today I would fight tooth and nail for my brand. I get that now. But I went, oh. Oops, yeah. And I went back and said, can you give me 60 days? I was in a position financially to go and pay an amazing company in Brisbane called Deus. They still exist today and they rebranded my company to a brand that was a made-up name and I knew I would never have an issue with Trademark ever again. It was a company called Entamio, E-N-T-A-M-I-O. It meant creating entrepreneurial training to um, acumen and mastery to the individual and organisation. So it was every letter and it created this beautiful message. And that is the business that a lot of people think I created an overnight success. I built it to 30 million in about 24 months. Yep. But, you know, overnight successes are a bit of BS in my mind, unless it's an absolute fluke. I'd had 25 years. I was going to say, an overnight success that took 25 25 years. 25 years of challenges and, you know, all these things, highs and lows, to get to this point. So it was an organisation that I partnered with some of my largest competitors in the country. We were all training organisations. Um, I didn't have the funding, but I was able to, I was like the little orange speedboat and they were a bit like the, you know, the Queen Mary or something. Can't They can do big things, but they can't stop and change and pivot easily. So I knocked on their door and built a, an amazing team from six to 110, from zero turnover to 30 <laughs> wow. million in two years, four offices. And we did it with as much automation as we possibly could because I knew the only way to scale is to partner with people who have something that I can fill their gap. So I knocked on their door and said, I want your funding. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. I have the same licence as you, so I understand the rules and regulations of being an RTO. And they went, oh, wow, that's different. You're going to fill a gap that we don't have. And so what I'd created were these diploma programs that the average rate at the time was about $7,000, $5,000, I charged $35. Yep. But at the end of it, when they finished their course they got their course a website financial advice property advice marketing plan all these things because I bought all these businesses to create a professional services department store so that was a one-stop shop for a business and created it all Um, and that was amazing I had we had some great wins some great successes we celebrated hugely so for those people listening to this podcast that don't know what an RTO is, yeah, um, because I had to look it up when I read you through you, but I know now. Sorry. So just Using explain that. Registered Training Organisation, it's, um, it's an education company here in Australia. Yep. And it's, it's, if you think about what you do at school, to you leave school, you can go to university, but there's thing, this thing in the middle where you can do Cert 1, 2, 3, 4 to diplomas to advanced diplomas. That's the space we hung out in. To be authorised to deliver those courses, there's an enormous accreditation process and, and an overwhelming amount of compliance. 
in running for good reasons. For absolutely good reasons. And, you know, people think of us as TAFE. Yep. So TAFE are the, is the free government um, registered uh, training yep. organisation. Um, but your traditional RTO, registered training organisation, is a privately owned business that is authorised to deliver various qualifications. And if I can back back just one step as well, you yeah. talked about um, your little business yeah. filling the gaps for the bigger business and you it, that was you again when you were 18 ringing the yeah. branches, wasn't it? It was exactly, exactly the same, you know. Exactly. And that's, you said that that was a lesson that you lived, yeah, that you learnt and, and followed through with. Exactly. And that's exactly where you are today again. Yeah, so that success was, was um, the foundation piece of that was understanding what you need to do when you partner with someone. And it's a really important business strategy. Why wouldn't you want to partner with your competitors or people who deliver something to your audience? And the things that I know is you've got to make it easy. You've got to be really clear with your communication. You need to give them access. You also may need to give them control to begin with. But when you give them access and confidence, that control, then you can go back to them and say, actually... I'm taking back that control now because I've demonstrated that what I said I was going to do, I did. So I had all those things ready and I was one of the first RTOs to be fully automated. So we were paperless, yep. completely paperless and we I had teams of people on calls and it was an amazing an amazing experience but you know in 2016 we ended up liquidating it which was a really that was one of the hardest days in my business life ever. And that came about because of a number of perfect storm events. I had some staff committing fraud, uh, redirecting invoices to their bank account. I had um, government legislation change in regards to the funding. I had a partner whose um, global owner got very nervous of what was going on in Australia in the vet sector. And he got instructed to turn off all partnerships. And that was the critical one. He gave me a week's notice that he would be no longer paying my invoices. And so called a board meeting and I, you know, this was um, early November 2016 and I said, we could muddle along but I'm not confident that we can survive and the last thing I want is getting close to Christmas and going, oh, actually we do have to close. That I can't do that to staff. So we decided um, early November 2016 that we would call a conference call. No Zooms, it was all <laughs> on a phone. Yep. And I had 100 people on the phone and that was a really hard conversation to say that as of today we are closing the doors and by that point, we were an unlisted public company here in Australia, which has enormous compliance and it literally took five, six years to unwind that. It took a long, long time to do that. But there was a beautiful lesson on that day in that I said to them, I have four offices and I'd actually like to be able to sell the furniture before the liquidators come in. Yep. Who would be prepared to stay and move the furniture? 99% of them stayed on no pay. And that gives me goosebumps today. I'm, I'm, I know it's just because I'm feeling it too. It's, and I went, oh my gosh, wow. I had no sense of the impact that you can have as a leader in a business. An enormous lesson for me. Like every morning I will walk through the office and say hello. It was just something that I did. And I didn't realise the impact that that would have on my team. Like it just, it chokes me up even today. It's beautiful. It's a special thing, isn't it? It is. And you know, a bunch of them came up to me. I went up to my office and <laughs> tears, all that sort of stuff. And he, this fellow handed me a card. And he said, we'd already bought this card yesterday but because we knew you were going through some tough times, Joe, and we wanted to give you this card as a support to say we're here for you. We will do whatever we can. And they said, it's sort of mute now, but we want you to have it. And we're still here for you. 
and today some of them are still good friends. It's it's an oh. amazing an amazing story that um, I'm feeling the energy in the room from that story yeah, alone because you built loyalty through these people and you didn't even know. I had no idea. You know, and that and that's a testament to obviously that you were doing the right thing by the people, yeah. by your people, yeah, thank and your you. team. Yes. Um. So, fast forward, I guess six years from that day, yeah. um, you're back in business again. You're doing yeah, something stop. which is incredible. <laughs> so, <laughs> was that just another incarnation of of Joanne? It was indeed. Like I went and got a job. That was what I had to do. I was on a fetal position on the floor for about ten minutes. Yep. By that point, my husband's retired. So you know, Paul. So I needed yep. to go and get a job. I went and did that. But a fellow that I'd known for a number of years while I was building my business, we'd been in a networking group together, a consummate business owner, Nick Barnstall, here on the Gold Coast, an amazing f- friend and business mentor. And he said to me, Joanne, I've got a desire to create a business where we help business owners not to become a, a for failure in business. You know how to create programs. You know how to educate adults. You've learned a lot in business. So have I. He's been in business since 16. So how about... We started a business and we came up with Navigate Biz and we did that. And and our, our remit, as I said, was to reduce the failure rate of business ownership and really just to share our collective 50 years in business, 100 million turnover, 40 industries, 12 countries, and give them business without BS and just yep. share yep. what we've learnt because we, business ownership will always be hard. I will never say that we, I'm going to make it easy. But let's smooth out those big peaks and troughs, to be less less onerous yep. and and learn from the lessons of what we've been through to make it smoother. So in a few weeks we're going to get together for episode two in this yeah, series talk about and we'll call, talk about Navigate because it is an amazing um, an amazing system, or not system, an amazing program that you've Thank developed you. there and people can go and look at the Navigate website and Indeed. see that for themselves. Yeah. Um, look, can you believe we've gone from 20... Plus minutes already. So it fast. goes so quickly. Thank you. I want to wrap this up. Yes. Um, you talk about mentors. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to this, and I don't like asking questions, and I'm completely unaware of what's <laughs> going to c- come next. But how many different mentors have you had, and how many do you have now? Look, I would say to you, over the years, I've had at least half a dozen, at least. Mm-hmm. But think about mentors as people that you might read their, listen to their podcasts, read their books. Physical people, the man who put me, Wayne, he's lovely and he literally lives and works 10 minutes from my home even today. But I would say to you that today I have at least half a dozen people that I know I can pick up the phone and say, hey, Nick's one of them, business owner in Navigate. Um, More story about that, of course. But you can never have enough because there are people who are experts in life, finance, accounting, law, business structures, scalability, marketing, there's just so many. And this is not to overwhelm the people who are listening to this. This is to give them the confidence to go, oh, my gosh, I can get a buffet of mentors and coaches to help me. And they can be formal and they can be informal. I'm so glad that's the way the answer went because that's what I was hoping for because I was <laughs> I was pretty sure that um, – and, and what a lot of people don't realise is that there are people out there. You mentioned that your team were there behind you the whole time exactly. that you didn't even realise. No. But there are people that we can touch and grab and feel. Exactly. And, and it doesn't need to be the same one. No. Um, which, exactly. is, which is really exciting. Let's finish it on one thing. I want to know, Joanne Brooks, what gets her up in the morning punching the air going, this is going to be a great day. What's the motivation? The motivation for me today, um, my driver, my why – 
um, ultimately is I, I know fully what success looks like for me. Success for me looks like um, a new home for Paul and I because we lost our home six yeah. years ago. It's having the confidence to know that I'm going to impact somebody today. I have these conversations literally daily and it gives me, whilst some of those conversations are hard, as you heard some emotion earlier on, yeah. um, it keeps me connected and grounded. And and I, I fundamentally know that what I have learnt over my years of being around on this earth, I have something to share and my story is worth telling. I believe in that. And it's not an ego thing. It is something that I genuinely know. I get told constantly, the way you say it, Joanne, it's absorbable. We can take it on board. It's not scary. And I'm willing to share it. I just want what I know if I can serve others, what I'm searching for will come back to me in spades. It's a long way from the girl in the cupboard, isn't it? Indeed. So, look, Joanne, thank you very much. My pleasure. Entrepreneur, wife, mother, and authentic businesswoman. It has been an absolute pleasure for the last 25 minutes to have a chat to you. And I can't wait now for episode two. So, um, oh, I'm we'll see excited. you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks for listening to the My Business Podcast brought to you by Media 8 on the Podfire platform. If you want to be on our podcast, please reach out to the team on all our socials at mybusiness.pod.